Hey, you've made it to Sprayspace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the Sprayspace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spry Space podcast. I'm Lacey, and today I have Adrian here with me. We are continuing our series this month on uh, films, films regarding social media and the internet um, and anything that makes us bring around more social media for good. Let's be real here. Mm-hmm. Um, our topic today is quite... Uh, I don't know, we both feel quite fiery and passionate about it. And so instead of doing our normal opening and closing questions, I'm just going to get us right into the content because there's a lot to go over. So, uh, Adrian, what's the what's the documentary that we're covering today? It is called The Great Hack. And it was it was released January 2019, directed by Jahan Najame and her husband, whose name is Karima Mayer. And this is this is a big deal here okay so uh the overarching theme this documentary film revolves around the facebook cambridge analytica data scandal uh in normal people's speech we like to say that that's like uh it's it's about the massive facebook experiment from 2016 that got that went wildly wrong and i would say is continuing to go wildly wrong the ripples Mm -hmm. are being felt and um and are continuing massively. Mm-hmm. So, Adrian, how'd you feel watching this watching this documentary? Like every five minutes, I wanted to explode in anger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, it was incredibly frustrating. Um, just you know, people sh- people that should know better, not knowing better. You know, just the blatant greed of the whole situation. Um, just a lot of like confusing pieces and you know um and we'll get into it later but there's a little bit of the you know some of the stuff that the filmmakers didn't talk about um also made me a little bit uh you know not angry but just like made me do my own research at the at the end you know I went and kind of dug in on a few things so it just it it definitely made me think and I think that it's a very a good documentary to watch and then also especially keeping in mind that it was made in 2019 um before you know 2020 and the pandemic and right now with the uh all the content out there on vaccines and vaccine misinformation and kind of this war that the healthcare industry or the healthcare field is fighting right now so it's just interesting yeah, I felt pretty fiery as well. Hot, hot in my chest, um, making me want to to act. So I'm glad that we have this time together to kind of go over it today because I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. that's going to come out. We like to look back at who directed films in order to just understand really what perspective um, these are coming from. So, you know, from everything that we did with our research, we saw that uh, Jahan Najem was a very brilliant woman. Um, went to Harvard, uh, studied film studies there. And Adrian brought to my attention too that, you know, went to Harvard, same place Mark Zuckerberg went to Harvard too. So yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so let's talk about a few things that were kind of misleading. 
from this mm-hmm. film. Okay, so uh, we did our research watching it, took really good notes throughout it, and a few things seemed to kind of jump out at us as kind of misleading. So why don't we start there? Adrian, can you yeah. start there? Yeah. Uh, well, and we did a, 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 some research before this about The Great Hack, and actually uh, the film that Jahan had you know, started was about the the hack, the Sony hack, uh, back, and I can't remember when, but it was about something else. And then the film morphed into something different when the Cambridge Analytica scandal happened. Um, and they kept, they probably just kept the name. Maybe that's what happened. But um, I really think like not knowing that that's really kind of the the project started with the Sony hack and then morphed into this other thing. It's a little bit misleading because I I feel like they didn't go into like the technical details of like that Facebook wasn't hacked. Like and so if you watch the film and you don't really know uh that, you don't really understand how technically this all worked. Um that you would assume that Cambridge, they, they still did hack it some way because people honestly don't really know how hacking works. Like the general population, they don't really know. And I feel like the word hack is just, it's like one of those words like disrupt. It just, it's lost its meaning kind of. And, and it's just, anyway. So I just think that it's a little bit misleading because what originally they meant the hack as the hack of our brains of the behavior. But, but it, it's not, that that's what it is IRL, but in the film, it's a little bit, it's not clear that that's what they mean by um, the great I, hack. Yeah. And I could see how somebody would watch this and be like, oh, Cambridge Analytica hacked, hacked Facebook when that's not what happened. So let's talk about how Cambridge Analytica did actually end up getting the data that they did, because the the overarching quote unquote scandal is that in 2016, the Trump campaign worked with Cambridge Analytica to spend millions and millions of dollars on advertising uh, a ton of that through Facebook itself and used data that they got from Facebook um, to decide who they were going to put this content out to and what kind of messages they were going to put out to people. Um, So how did they actually get that data? If they didn't hack Facebook for that data, how did they get it? So there's a several different layers to this, right? With everything, but um, but originally the data was gotten that was that was per terms of service. They they got the data originally in their original source. They got it in a perfectly fine way according to Facebook's terms of service. Basically, what happened when um, so when you build apps back in uh, I mean when I was working in a startup building apps in 2014, 2015, there is for developers there is this. Uh, it's called Facebook login. And so basically when you build an app, right, the hardest thing to do, the hardest part of building an app and getting it to take off so you can, you know, make all that money and and, and continue on with your, your life. The hardest thing to do when you're building app is making the onboarding process easy because the second somebody downloads your app, right, and then it's hard, they're going to abandon it. They're going to delete it. They're not going to use it. So when you're doing app development, you want it to be as easy as possible for people to log in and start using the thing, right? So what you could do is use your Facebook login. So basically what that is, is when you download your app, um, oftentimes, even still, it'll it'll say login with Facebook, login with Google, or create your own login. Now, I always create my own login because back 2016, um, basically, 
in Facebook terms of service. If I, if you know, if I downloaded a, a, let's say a gaming app, right? I downloaded it and I was like, all right, use my Facebook login. Uh, what would happen is Facebook would then gather all my public data, right? But then all the data of my friends without their consent. So that means that like, my mom, all my college friends, all my all my friends from my various jobs, everything, all of their public profile information, and that's what, and then again we can kind of go into like privacy issues and, and your settings and how your settings are set, but like anything that was publicly available would be basically gathered and mm-hmm. used in that Facebook login. Which I mean, obviously, who reads terms of service? Who looks at that 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 closely? So. That is how the data was gathered. Yeah, originally. I mean, you remember a friend would post something and it would be like, which Disney princess are you? Yes. Belle, right? You like, yes. and it's like, would you like to try this quiz? Yes. And so you would push that, yes, I'd like to try that, and then a pop-up would come up and it would say, you know, do you accept this? And it would have Facebook, and it would. I always thought even then, you know, when I was when I was in college, I was like, I do think it's strange that it says, like, do you give this app uh, permission to see all your friends and all your Mm -hmm. things? And you just hit, you know, you have to just hit yes, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so you hit yes, you figure out who your Disney princess that you're like, and do you want to share your results? And you'd click share your results, and then it would become kind of this viral thing that people would just share, 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 share. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so then everybody who has done that and every one of their friends, now everything that they liked on Facebook, every reaction that they made on Facebook, um, every place they checked in on Facebook, um, all that data was transferred to these third-party app developers now they had full access to Uh all of that data and that's exactly how this data was mined some people would would say not hacked but but legally gotten um, through the process the incorrect or wrong thing that happened or allegedly what facebook says like oh you know it's not not our fault because someone else did did bad is basically you're not supposed to like if you're a developer you're not supposed to give that data to anybody else you're not supposed to transfer so the, the moment that they transferred the data over um to cambridge analytica was a violation of terms of service therefore facebook shouldn't be in trouble um however um it's like, well, a why did why did Facebook allow this to begin into the, in, at the beginning? You know, mm-hmm. um, like so. So let's think about that. Why would Facebook want that? Want to allow developers to do this? Well, exactly what like you just said, Lacey, for growth. Mm-hmm. Their growth team, they want to reach as many people as possible. The easiest way to get as many people as possible is to access all of your friends. So if I download. Facebook or a different app, they want to be able to know, okay, how many people, how many phone numbers does Adrian have in her uh, phone? How many of these numbers already have a Facebook account? And which ones don't have a Facebook account? And how do we get them to become a Facebook user, right? Because mm-hmm. that's that was kind of what was going on there. So kind of another thing where they're like, oh, probably they weren't thinking that all this nefarious stuff would happen. They're just making fun toys and things on the internet right (laughs) yeah and and 
they're thinking about the amount of investment dollars that they can get because of the growth numbers that they can show. They're not thinking at all about how it affects actual human beings who are their users. They're Mm -hmm. thinking about those growth numbers. This is why we, I mean, this is why we come back time and time and time and time and time (laughs) and time again to the importance of actually thinking of people as people Mm -hmm. um, and not, not using growth hacking and growth tactics to make a product successful, but thinking of how it can actually serve the people that it's meant to serve, which makes you wonder who is, who is this actually serving? Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, so, so so if, if they didn't hack said information, but the title is still the great hack, Mm -hmm. what we understand about the directors that they were actually very interested in how these tactics hacked human behavior. Okay. Yes. And when we talked when we talk about the social dilemma, some of the main characters, the main people interviewed in the social dilemma talked about the things that they were the most concerned about was this, how behavior, how human behavior could be tracked, changed, altered, predicted based on the amount of advertising dollars going towards a certain subset of people. So yeah. mm-hmm. in the, in the film, they talked about the idea one of the one of the main people interviewed in the film Brittany Kaiser talked about the fact that they were knowingly creating a culture war okay they called it a grossly unethical experiment that they were playing with the psychology of a nation mm-hmm. but this is interesting it was an experiment right but in no. order for something to actually be classified as an experiment what does it need to have adrian mm-hmm. well maybe before we go into the classified of a, of a classification of what an experiment is can you give us a brief overview on like what cambridge analytica did like what is a story like what is the brief yeah, story of what they did and like and like why we're even talking about this let's just go okay. back a little bit so this was called project alamo okay mm-hmm. and cambridge analytica partnered with the trump campaign to create and spend millions and millions of dollars of advertising on Facebook, YouTube, Google, okay? So they created content specifically targeted at people who they called... The persuadables. Okay. So they found looking at people's online behavior, the things they liked, the things they commented on, the things they shared in specific states, right? So they wouldn't even focus on states that were automatically red or automatically blue. Um, Mm -hmm. They focused on the states that could switch either way, Mm -hmm. um, that could either vote Republican or Democratic. And they focused even further in on specifically the people whose personalities, based on their Facebook behavior, said that they were persuadable, that they could be convinced one way or another how to vote and so you know they brag throughout the film about creating even specific commercials the um, crooked Hillary campaign the guy talks Mm -hmm. about coming up with this idea and how the O's are the are the um, handcuffs and they took this video content and pushed it out specifically to the persuadables and um, did it through unbranded untrackable content so you could create like uh uh, thousands of facebook pages that say like uh republicans for trump uh uh girl scouts for trump i mean really you could say you wouldn't do something that's branded you know Mm -hmm. but nothing branded it was just they'd come up with kind of a a name of something that could be a group that some people could get behind and they would Mm -hmm. put content out for that and um and put advertising dollars behind yeah. it totally unbranded totally untrackable so they would uh, spread rumors as an experiment you know um 
you know, Brittany talks about in this in this film, you know, how basically it's it's an experiment, right? Because the cool thing about social media, the intoxicating thing about social media, the thing that you and I love is you create this content um, and you put it out there and you see how many people like it. And then based on that, you tweak it a little bit and then you make a new thing and you send it out more and and you keep on you get this a constant feedback loop and for when you're experimenting it's really exciting it's, it's very exciting right uh especially however, with that much money that much how much data you could actually get um yes they're paying a million dollars a day not to mention that on Facebook that they had <laughs> because of the high budget that they were paying and because of the connections that these people have they mm -hmm. had representatives from Facebook, from Google, from YouTube, helping them to get their ads placed, okay? Right. Which now is why so many of us social media managers, especially those of us working with nonprofit groups or groups that are cause-based more than product-based, are running up against these issues of having to create disclaimers and uh, getting the disclaimers verified properly and having so mm -hmm. many ads rejected because of one word wrong. So they're trying, Facebook is trying, with their bots to make up for the mass issues that were being caused mm -hmm. by these but honestly by this project right. and and but they had representatives there helping these people at right. this time but here we are small businesses nonprofits dealing with bots every day who are making up for what facebook representatives were there helping people with it's extremely frustrating and it's so backwards and right. and it and it just shows again who is it serving you know it, is, it yeah it i don't yeah. think it's ever really been serving uh humans but serving uh the dollar yeah the people yeah. with the dollars and to, to be fair, like kind of going back onto the um, filmmakers, one thing that I did that did bug me a little bit is I did talk about like uh, Cambridge Analytica, how all this like kind of shady stuff they were doing and like how much money the Trump campaign was spending. Um, but they didn't say if the, if the um, Clinton campaign had their own uh, oh, representatives. Yeah. We don't know. I would... I don't know. Like, maybe they did. And if they did, if it was, like, you know, even in that way, like, you know, I, I don't know. And and then they also talk about how much money was spent. Um, the the Clinton campaign spent, I'm, I'm sure, they, they spent a ton of money as well. But it wasn't super, it, you know what I mean? It was kind of like. Yeah. It was, it's still only showing us one side one, of a yeah. specific story. So, exactly. So we can't use it to demonize, like, a singular campaign. It's mm -hmm. really an analysis of how the system system can be used to exploit people exactly and and the other scary thing about this too is that cambridge analytica is not the only was not you know they just really got caught and they got you know they the people started asking them questions but there's definitely other companies out there like doing the same thing so that's just kind of and like during during the senate hearings too mm -hmm. when mark zuckerberg was in there for the senate hearings you can see how many times that he says cambridge analytica camera you know how how can we work hard to make sure that that's the scapegoat yes right can mm -hmm. we say their name enough times and say scandal next to their name enough uh -huh. times they're doing the same thing you know to right. make that the scapegoat so that anything else that's still going on isn't we don't have to talk about that anymore because we already right. dealt with the cambridge analytica scandal right exactly okay so 
that's what was going on. But when we think about it, this was a experiment, Brittany Kaiser yes. called it. Okay. So yes. creating this culture war as a grossly unethical experiment. So yeah. so how I mean, what's so wrong about an experiment, Adrian? What's <laughs> what's so wrong about them doing this as an experiment on us? Well, they're you know, think about it. Let's think about it as a human being. Do you want to be part of an experiment without your consent, without being Without saying, yeah, I want to participate in this uh, sleep study, or yeah, I want to be, I want to be a participant. Um, you know, I want to donate my blood to see, you know, whatever medical medical studies. Um, there are lots of other different um, consumer advocates, consumer things where you like opt in to do a survey. You opt in. You're not just randomly scraped. You know, and and you get you get this data, and then it's like used against you. It makes um, me want to write a write a, a parody commercial of like we are looking for, uh, you know, a hundred million participants for a <laughs> political study. Right? Uh, how quickly can here? Here's what you're going to be compensated. You're going to be compensated with ruined family relationships, uh, <laughs> a total lack of trust for your government and fellow man. Um, <laughs> All you have uh, to do is become addicted to this platform and uh, get really good at using the share button and reading headlines. The end. And yeah, and reacting <laughs> in rage. Yeah. So, I mean, in when you are doing experiments that, you know, when you are running a scientific experiment that gets published in like scientific journals, um, you know, this happens in, you know, there's private research and then there's like academic research, but both research, um, both types of research um, in, in any research institution anywhere any academic journal any any findings that you have you know back to the scientific method you know you have an experiment right you write it down you conduct your experiment and then you give your experiment over and your results over to somebody else and if it's replicable without anybody that's originally involved in the original experiment and the experiment gets run and it, you get the same results that's when that's a scientific method right however when you do all of your research and you collect this data and you do your field your field um, analysis and you're gathering all these data points, when you're dealing with human beings, there is a very high level of of like ethical standards you have to abide by when you are running these experiments for for any anybody in the health field and in psychology. You know, if if I um, I have a friend who actually also works at Harvard. <laughs> She's a sleep researcher. Um, and so she has, she, you know, quite often on Facebook will say, hey, we're looking for, you know, children ages three to eight um, that their parents will consent to like a sleep study. You know, here are all the things we're going to do. And it's very, it's actually very, that's the hardest part of your experiment, actually, when you're doing proper research methodology, the hardest part is getting qualified participants and tracking and logging all of their um, tracking and logging all of the information that you need to, you know, you need to make sure that they're not vulnerable, you know, they're not a vulnerable population. Um, because, you know, there's, there's been terrible things happen, terrible things have happened in the past with experiments on human beings that have gone on. So all of these experiments that go on IRL have this like super high level of um, ethical scrutiny, which you could always argue there should be more, but there should be more. But um. But with Facebook, there is zero none. oversight. No, <laughs> there's nobody. None. There's nobody being like, hmm, 
will spreading rumors on the internet damage anybody's, like, brain? Or, like, I don't know. So like, if it's not an experiment, it's propaganda. Yes. You know, ding, if it's ding, not ding, an ex- it's it's not an experiment if there is a specific goal and outcome mm-hmm. that you're trying to accomplish without the people who are involved in the experiment knowing. Right. You're manipulating people to mm-hmm. get a certain outcome that you want. Mm-hmm. And What's interesting about this is Cambridge Analytica used to be called SCL, which was actually a communications warfare company. They were actually hired by governments to go into warring territories and use pamphlets, words, okay, physical freaking paper, Mm -hmm. words on paper to hand out to specific people to keep them from joining one side or the other. Uh Uh-huh. That was their job. So now what we've basically done is digitized that. And instead of having these physical pamphlets that they're passing out as part of communications warfare between warring countries, they're taking two democratic parties and Mm -hmm. treating them as warring countries and, and doing the same communications warfare, but on people who are supposed to love each other. Like, I just... (laughs) <laughs> yeah no it's and it's also funny in this um being a communications uh professional right Lacey, you and i watch this with kind of like you know the the bullshit detector like okay they say this but they're really meaning this right yes um when you watch this um and and if you're not if you if you are not watching really carefully you are like oh they're just a tech firm they're just a tech they're like tech bros ah you know, but what they're actually doing is called psyops, which psyops uh, from Wikipedia are operations to convey selected information and indicators to audiences to influence their emotions, motives, and objective reasoning, and ultimately the behavior of governments, organizations, groups, individual and individuals. So Cambridge Analytica was engaged in psyops. Well, you know, they say, oh, we were just reaching the persuadables. That's all we were doing. We're just marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they like they they soften they soften it. They're mark you know they they soften. They're like, oh, we're just using Facebook, but um, but they yeah they they're using psyops against us. And the other thing is that they're based in the UK. It's a foreign company. Like and in in the in the film, they 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 it wasn't just the U.S. that they that they created campaigns for. They did campaigns all over the world for different governments. So it's just like how, like, wrapping your brain around this, around all of the questions of, like, is this right or wrong? Like, if if you think that, like, Facebook should be able to, like, take our data, this and that, whatever, okay. But but essentially, do you also think that, like, a, a, a private company based in the UK should be able to influence people in elections all over the world? Right. <laughs> Is that something you're for? <laughs> Is that something we want? Is that something we want? Because we we are the thing that actually makes this these platforms valuable. It's our participation in them that makes them valuable. It's our mm-hmm. presence on them that makes them valuable. Every yeah. action we take has a certain value as as companies are learning more and more about it. And it's one thing to be advertised for, uh, you know, a pair of shoes that you're talking about needing. It's one mm-hmm. thing to be served a pair of shoes. It's another thing for it to infiltrate who leads our countries. 
uh, whether we stay in or out of uh, unions of countries, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it it's a very different level when we're talking about bringing politics and world leadership into a a place where we're supposed to just be talking to our friends. Yes, <laughs> right. And yep. we're being and we're being hit with all of this this advertising from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Alex, Alexander Nix, who was the leader over at Cambridge Analytica, said, you know, these sorts of technologies can and will continue to make a huge difference for many years to come. And, uh, you know, he was giving this as almost like a TED tile style talk about like just the amazing nature of uh, data and what we can do with data. Um it just it it baffles me that he was confident enough to stand on stage in front of a group of people talking about what they were doing without mm-hmm. any fear of repercussion, you know, right. without any fear of because people just either didn't understand or didn't know to care at that right. point. Right. Yeah. Which brings us to the next topic of discussion, which is one of the main characters of this film. Should we talk about that next? Yeah. Or is that OK? Yeah. <laughs> About Brittany Kaiser in the film? Yes. Mm-hmm. So they portray Brittany Kaiser in the film as almost like, um, uh, you know, a whistleblower. Like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So so coming in and actually saying some of the truth of what was happening. They even show her at one point writing questions for the senators who were going to be interviewing uh, Mark Zuckerberg in the hearings right. Right. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of portray her as, um, you know, going against this machine mm-hmm. and, and, and coming up and actually just being honest about was, what was happening right inside of Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, the documentary, you know, it kind of goes over, you know, what Cambridge Analytica was, what it was doing, who was involved, uh, you know, and why we should be, why we should care, right? And so um, there's a couple whistleblowers that, you know, came up, uh, a couple people that, like, brought up these questions. Um, the the one that was the most intriguing in this documentary was Brittany Kaiser because, you know, her background was very interesting. She worked on the Obama campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, she was a very progressive politics are very progressive she's portrayed as kind of um well you know she was very progressive and then she got lured into cambridge analytica by uh the uh, nicks uh and and basically what happened is is she got overwhelmed by the money she got paid she got paid by them um whereas the democratic campaigns weren't paying people um she got paid uh and then also she very much you know, is portrayed as like realizing how serious this is and how, 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 you know, she was giving up lots of information. But throughout the film, she was asked several questions like, didn't you think that this was a problem? Like when you were in the middle of doing this? And she was very like, um, her, her moral compass, her like character was very slippery. Like, like she, didn't see any problem with experimenting on people. She didn't even see it as an experiment. She really just saw herself as like doing her job and like and like ha- like really kind of getting into the um just just how like sexy the internet and technology is and and you know and she, you can kind of get over taken up by all that all the money and prestige right um, but. But, it, you know, she definitely uh, gave up some information that was 
damaging to Cambridge Analytica. And so it's kind of like, she's kind of this slippery character where she does some good things, but then there's also like, you know, I'm pulling my hair out, like over her choices, like, like she did so much damage. She assisted in so much damage and she's like, oh, I didn't know. I know that that at least for me personally, I'll be honest to myself, it's very easy for me to just slip into choosing to blame things on men in power. Um, And so I actually feel more of a tendency to just kind of be mad at, you know, Alexander Nix and the group that that was at the top there because I know that I mean, she's quite young, too. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that I've been in rooms at times where people in power have said things that I didn't agree with and that I didn't, but, but you're so uncomfortable. You just kind of do that uncomfortable laugh. You know, the one I'm talking about where you go home and then you think, why didn't I say something? Why didn't I, why didn't I do something? Or, you know, or, you know, I mean, she's the same age as, as you and I, you know, being a, you know, a millennial woman and, in you know, growing up and getting out of college and then you, you, um, you know, getting, you know, when you're first out of college, it's hard getting a job. It's hard to, it's hard to like be validated that you're actually smart and you know what you're doing and all these things. And so, you know, I've, I've been in also in rooms where people have say, oh, you're my girl Friday or, oh, Adrian knows everything. She has the keys to the kingdom or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you get like this, um, and I totally validation. Know, yes. You get this like validation from older people that, and that you're so like you're so special and intelligent and like you're in that room when other people aren't and exactly and it's intoxicating it really is and so you know I, I do have some sympathy for her I do um I just I just you know when she talked about being you know her own politics and then knowingly creating psyop campaigns for the GOP like I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, where she has no like principle, like, like a principled person would be like, you know what? Thanks for the job. I'm sure you'll find somebody who is more aligned with your values in your, mm-hmm. in that job. You know, you don't have to be mean if someone were to come up to me and, you know, who's very opposite of me in, uh, in uh, philosophies and, and they offer me a job. You can say no, but you can say like, you know what? That's not aligned to my values but I know there's somebody out there who really is and they'll be great you know I I just don't understand how like she just turned down that little voice inside her that was like (laughs) I, I just don't understand that part it's very upsetting to me I feel I feel sympathy for uh for us as a nation. I mean, I feel sympathy for us as families. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that that this and other misinformation continues to pervade our public discourse is tragic. It's tragic because there is a a, a very vast group of us who don't even quite understand how these social media platforms work and so we can do a little bit of googling we can do a little bit of research on facebook and we think that we understand a topic and i've been this has happened for me before Mm -hmm. too yep but then it what it does is it's causing these divides that polarizes people so much that we can't have discussion we can't 
nothing can happen. We can't move forward on anything because we're so divided because we don't even see the same reality. Why? Because we don't even see the same feeds. It's just right. like it shows in the social dilemma. When we're logging in and we've created these, these echo chambers based on our social media activity and those echo chambers are being infiltrated by more and more ad dollars that are propaganda, they are dividing us and dividing us. I just wish social media for good as a concept could have started 20 years ago so that people like Brittany Kaiser could be able to just know right away oh well that's social media for bad hell no you know right mm -hmm. yeah or or you know oh like how exactly does this work oh you mean we're we are banking we are making money off of a political campaign we're banking off of people who are persuadable for whatever reason and we're spreading rumors we're making money off of millions. Rumors. We're making millions on money, lies. Money off of yeah, rumors and lies. And the 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 part that just like ah, uh, Brittany Kaiser in this in this film quote um, said, "The main problem in U.S. politics is that people are so polarized that they can't understand each other, and therefore they can't work together, and therefore nothing gets done." And she says this. She says this when she's answering someone. She she joined the NRA and she she um, kind of had this persona of you know GOP conservative person, wh which was completely opposite of what she was at the beginning. She kind of assumed she played the part. She um, and and part of it is like there's this grain in me where I'm just like you know what yeah like you should be open to other people's uh, philosophies and you should try to understand them even though if it's not for you you should still you know, not judge it or knock it down. But she was, that was what she said in response to somebody being like, I thought you were very much against guns and you joined the NRA. And then she kind of justified this, this to herself by saying this, the main problem in U.S. politics is that people are so polarized that they can't understand each other and therefore they can't work together. So she's like, oh, I'm going to join the NRA to show that like I can work with people. But I'm just like, but we're polarized because of you. Because the exploitation <laughs> of those differences. <laughs> I'm just like, I, can you hear yourself? I just, I just, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway. David, Car David Carroll in the film said, people don't want to admit that propaganda works because to admit it means confronting our own susceptibilities a horrific lack of privacy and hopeless dependency on tech platforms ruining our democracies on various attack surfaces. It's a lot to accept. Yep. It is. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to accept that as a reality, yeah. uh, especially if you feel like you yourself might have been a persuadable. I, I feel like mm -hmm. I've probably been a persuadable at many points oh, in, yeah. my, in my voting life to this yeah. point. Oh, for sure. And, you know, again, one thing I do want to reiterate, this is the focus on Cambridge Analytica where, like, the 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 dark, the bad guys in the room are the right-wing um, GOP of the United States paying, using these tools. They These tools are used by all different types of organizations, you know, um, all types of organizations that don't have um, a moral compass, you know, that don't use social media for good. And that could be many different kinds of, of people and organizations. So I, Lacey, I totally also, you know, any piece of content that like makes you react and rage, like, <laughs> ah! like we're doing right now. Yes. 
um, on Facebook that scrolls past your newsfeed or, you know, something hateful that somebody says or, or just, you know, an opinion that you really, really disagree with, that those kinds of, that stuff, that those reactions are what um, all of this social media works off of. So if we don't give it to them, they can't have it. So... Yeah. So I think it's here's a few takeaways. OK, let's try to wrap this with a bow for a second. OK, <laughs> um, um, let's all be always mindful of where our content is coming from. OK, mm-hmm. especially if it makes us react strongly. OK, we see a video about uh, a movement. I mean, we didn't even hit on the fact that that there were Russian agencies who were infiltrating during Black Lives Matter, creating fake events and and inviting people to fake marches. So this isn't just every time that there's a political uh campaign Mm -hmm. it's actually every time that there's this social issue that can divide people it's happening from many different sources so so order one of the day our 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 challenge for you order one is check your sources anytime that you're feeling triggered and you're feeling emotional about something click back as far as you can to see who created this piece of content uh, how long ago was the page created? Are there actual individuals that are there? Can you see what the disclaimer says? What ads are these people running? It literally takes you like three three minutes at the most. And mm-hmm. like how much is your rage worth? I think it's worth like three minutes. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So that's yep. one takeaway. Do you have another takeaway that you want people to do to kind of um, to to help us bridge the gap of the the propaganda gap that's been created between all of us? I think a big piece is in motivations. Look at human motivations. Why would somebody benefit from you being mad or angry or not doing something or doing something? Who's benefiting? Is it you? Like, do you, are you as a person, are you like, yeah, I really have already been thinking about doing this thing and it would really like, I I just want to do this or not, you know, but you know, if you're if like a piece of social media content comes through and and um, makes you like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you know, because conspiracy theorists like the, of the YouTubes of on the YouTubes or there's so many different people. Um, and again, the psyops thing. Who benefits by you doing or not doing something? Just think about that. Like really think about that. And also just really think about your values. Like I think that so many people like have their, you know, their their core beliefs like challenged and then they kind of move over to a new plane because they've been repeatedly had had this information just pounded at them so stick to your core values remember who you are and um and think about who benefits from your actions and rage and research who it is that's putting this information out as far as you can to the source three minutes Yep. Okay. That's your, that's, that's your main takeaways for today. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot wrong on social media right now. There's, there's a lot wrong, but it's not going anywhere. And so the best that we can do is research, learn, and do our best to use social media for good. So we're going to keep doing our best and, uh, we hope that you will too. Um, yes. Adrian, thank you for your time today. As always, I adore you. Thank you. Um, Those of you listening, we appreciate you very much, and we hope that you will keep learning, and we will talk to you soon. This Spry Space podcast is brought to you by Spry Social Media Marketing, Digital Marketing Agility, edited by Chad Hinman and executive produced by Lazy Fought.